stand together with me and let this be our prayer this morning. Our Father's God, from out whose hand the centuries fall like grains of sand, we meet today united, free, and loyal to our land and thee to thank thee for the era done and trust thee for the opening one. Oh, make us thou through centuries long in peace secure, in justice strong. Around our gift of freedom, draw the safeguards of thy righteous law and cast in some diviner mold. Let the new cycle shame the old. Please be seated.
country beautiful, and it is in so many ways. From the Adirondacks to the Rockies, from Wisconsin Dells to Louisiana Deltas, from Palm Beach to Palm Springs, from the bustle of New York City to the stark deserts of New Mexico, America is beautiful to her people. Today we celebrate the joy of living in America, and we stop to thank God for the blessing He has poured out on this land. invite you into his presence with praise and thanksgiving this morning and and encourage you to sing with us on this next hymn. It's a hymn that was authored by a person that is known as being the father of hymnology. He has written over 600 hymns. His most popular, I think, that all of you would know would be Joy to the World, but this would be right behind it. The unique thing about this hymn, it's a paraphrase of Psalm 90. And whenever it was first presented, it was first heard on the radio with the declaration of World War II. It was a hymn sung at Winston Churchill's funeral. We invite you today. The words are just as valid, just as true, just as powerful. Would you stand as we sing, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come.
be seated. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness." We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. These are the words from the Declaration of Independence adopted by Congress July 4, 1776, 231 years ago this Wednesday. And the words that echo from the Declaration, divine providence, unalienable rights, independence, liberty, and freedom. In ages past, God has indeed helped us. He has indeed blessed us with America the Beautiful, where people are free. Free to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, and free to worship God. This morning we're doing something a little bit different, as you can tell by looking at your bulletin. In short, you get three sermons this morning instead of one. (laughs) Well, not really. There's only one sermon this morning, but it's in three parts. And we've mixed in some music and scripture and prayer and giving that relate to each part of the message. First, I'd like to share some thoughts on freedom. Then we'll talk a bit about the blessings and the challenges that America presents. And then what it means to be one nation under God. So what about freedom? Perhaps no single word best describes America than that word, free or freedom. Even in our national anthem, when we sing the Star-Spangled Banner, over what land does the Star-Spangled Banner wave? Don't think too hard, it's on the screen. Or the land of the free. The choir was in tune. One author describes the word freedom as the foundational watchword of the American experience. Americans throughout history have used the word freedom to define the essence of America. 
Those who deny freedom to others, declared Abraham Lincoln, deserve it not for themselves. In the darkest days of World War II, President Franklin Roosevelt spoke with a hope of a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. Freedom of speech and worship and freedom from want and fear. And Martin Luther King Jr. concluded his most famous speech with the refrain, Let freedom ring. The words free and freedom are everywhere. How many of you have seen the movie that's out in theaters about Patrick Henry? You say, who? Have you seen it yet? Okay. <laughs> who remembers Patrick Henry? Okay, now there ought to be some more high school kids that remember Patrick Henry. It's like American history. Okay, you got Patrick Henry. What's Patrick Henry's most famous quote? Very good. Give me liberty or give me death. Okay, let's see how clever you are this morning. What's the movie in theaters that must be about Patrick Henry? Give me liberty or give me death? Well, it's live free or die hard, isn't it? Think about it. Some of you will get that on your way home from church this morning. What is it about that word? That concept of freedom that rings so deeply within the American experience. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm I think that's the last time we'll do that. What exactly is freedom? Anyway, past couple of weeks I must have read a hundred, maybe two hundred definitions of freedom. Most definitions include words like unrestricted, unconfined, and unfettered. Freedom, I read, is the power to act or speak or think without externally imposed restraints. Freedom is the right of self-determination. Freedom is the liberty of the person from slavery, detention, or oppression. One of my favorite definitions of freedom comes from Rose Wilder Lane, Laura Ingalls Wilder's daughter. Some of you remember Little House on the Prairie. Rose writes that freedom is control of self. Or perhaps stated a little differently, freedom is the capacity to exercise choice. And we'll come back to that one. So of course we like freedom. Who doesn't? <clears throat> Who doesn't want to be able to choose for themselves what they want and don't want, what they want to do and don't want to do. I'm thinking we pretty much all want to be free to decide for me. And what a blessing it is indeed from God to live in America where we are free. One important thing about freedom, though, one maybe we sometimes forget. By all of these definitions that I've been looking at, it as soon as freedom shows up in community, as soon as it shows up in any relationship, freedom, in the truest sense of the word, is always limited. Freedom, even in the land of the free, especially in the land of the free, is always limited. We lose sight of that sometimes, I think, when we complain about someone keeping us from exercising our freedom. Our right to exercise choice. 
our freedom is by definition limited. It's, it's limited by the freedom of others around us and vice versa. My freedoms cannot allow me to unfairly keep you from enjoying the same freedoms. So we have laws about our freedoms, about when we have freedom, when we have and, and when we do not have the right to choose. Even in the land of the free, for example, we're not free to drive through an intersection when the light's red. Some of you need to remember that. There's no pink or orange light, as my dad used to say. We're not free to slap our neighbor around when he does something that makes us angry. Our freedom is by definition limited. Now the Bible is no different. Right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, we see the word free. God gave Adam and Eve freedom, the capacity to exercise choice. When he said in Genesis 2, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Adam and Eve were free. But just like in America, their freedom included by definition some things they could not do. The Bible is all about freedom, ultimately freedom in Christ. And just like America, God first published his laws about freedom, wrote them down. And then in Jeremiah's words, God took his written law and placed them in the hearts of God's people through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus summarized those laws of freedom for us. He summarized Christian freedom this way. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we are free as Christians to love God and to love others. Any exercise of freedom then that does not love God or love others is not true freedom. Or it's an improper use or abuse of freedom that we have in Christ. Now, our Christian heritage and our American heritage come very close together on this point. At least with respect to loving others. For example, you just heard Abraham Lincoln echo God's limits on freedom when he said, those who deny freedom for others deserve it not for themselves. In other words, freedom for me means freedom for you. Freedom includes watching out for others. Franklin Roosevelt, one of my favorite presidents all time. He has so many wonderful quotes. It's hard to pick just one this morning. But Roosevelt once said, I see one-third of a nation ill-housed, ill-clad, and ill-nourished. The test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much. The test of our progress is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain probably together have most of the humorous quotes in American history. Who remembers this one from Twain? Golf is a good walk spoiled. Remember that one? Maybe, maybe my all-time favorite Mark Twain quote, it's better to keep your mouth closed and let everyone think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. 
Think of that when I go to an elders meeting. (laughs) Franklin once said, Benjamin Franklin once said in defining freedom, or at least it's very close cousin liberty, Benjamin Franklin said, democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. Liberty, or freedom, is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. Freedom, by definition, looks out for the lambs. In short, then, our exercise of freedom as Christians and our exercise of freedom as Americans is similar in at least one respect. It must, it must be exercised in service to others. Or to put it in another way, if the exercise of our freedom unjustly hurts others, it isn't freedom. It's un-American, and it certainly isn't Christian. We exist, in my opinion, as Christians and as Americans, to love others as ourselves. And in loving others as ourselves, we love God. God indeed blesses America to bless others in turn. America is indeed blessed to bless. Before we talk about the blessings and challenges of America... We haven't yet greeted and blessed each other this morning. So let's do that now. Would you please stand? Find someone. Go ahead and ask God's blessing on them this morning. Would you please?
reading of God's Word. We read today from Deuteronomy 8. If you want to follow along in your Bible or on the screens, Deuteronomy 8. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig coppers out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If ever you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify to you today that it will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. These are the words of God.
And so what has America done with her freedom these past 231 years? Have we exercised our freedom in service to others? Deuteronomy 8, which you just heard, is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Have we remembered God, America? Or now that we've been blessed so much, have we forgotten God? Have we remembered to love others as ourselves? I, I have some random statistics for you this morning. Now, with this caveat, statistics, um, they make me nervous because they can be misleading. I'm sure, for example, that America does not deserve all the credit for what I'm calling blessings, nor does she deserve all the blame for what I'm calling challenges. My reason for sharing them at all this morning, my hope, is that they both encourage and, and convict us of the big picture, at least, that that big picture level of our responsibility as Americans and as Christians to love others as ourselves. See what you think. One blessing of America. America gave $260 billion to charities in 2005. And for the past several years at least, that amount has steadily increased about 5% a year. A challenge yet. That total amount is only 3.6% per household. And by way of comparison, here's some other things we spend our money on. Americans spend $600 billion on new and used cars, $100 billion on electronics, $82 billion on clothing, $62 billion on soft drinks, $33 billion annually on weight loss products, $22 billion on cosmetics, $14 billion on parking, $12 billion a year on video rentals, $10 billion a year on pet food, $10 billion a year on pornography, $7 billion a year on Halloween, and this week, private households, just the private sector, will shell out half a billion dollars on fireworks. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? Next blessing of America. If not for America, Hitler and the Nazis probably take over Europe and maybe the world. If not for America, governments in Korea and Vietnam that treated the poor and powerless with contempt probably continue mistreating countless more. If not for America, those innocent victims who died on 9-11 receive little or no justice, and neither is their justice and mercy afforded those who Saddam Hussein brutalized during his rule. What's the challenge of war? Well, 60 million people died as a result of World War II alone. About half of that number, civilians, including many women and children. Of course, the present war in Iraq presents the terrible dilemma over how will it ever end 
War also presents the often competing interests. Competing interests of justice and mercy on the one hand and self-preservation and self-interest on the other. When is a war just? When is a war unjust? That could be a tough, tough challenge for America. Another blessing of America. America has done more for women's rights and treating women as people rather than property than any other country in the history of the world. The challenge, one of them at least, pornography, where women are objectified, has never been more abundant than it is in the United States of America. Google porn on the Internet and you will have 95 million hits. The vast majority of eating disorders in the world are among American women. Today, more than ever, and especially in America, sexual morality is under serious assault. Another blessing of America. It took longer than it should have, but America finally abolished slavery and ever since has been a world leader in preventing racial and other forms of unfair discrimination. Challenge Discrimination remains. Things like the death penalty still grossly discriminate against minorities. America, a blessing of the 22 countries that give substantially to struggling foreign governments, America far and away gives the most. As a percentage of her gross national product, America ranks 21 out of the 22 and the question always persists, how much aid is given out of love of neighbor and how much of, out of political self-interest? Among America's greatest blessings in the world are in the field of medicine. Vaccines and treatment for AIDS has more than doubled life expectancy for those infected with HIV. And medication used to treat people living with HIV AIDS costs as little as $140 per patient per year, down nearly from $10,000 a year less than 10 years ago. The challenge that remains, more than 38 million people are infected by HIV AIDS, 25 million in Africa alone. Last year, nearly 3 million people died of AIDS. America always seems to be among those, or some Americans at least, among those that promote such things as same-sex marriage and promiscuity. One blessing of these United States, America has played a key role in reducing the number of under five child deaths by 50% over the last 40 years. Challenge that remains every year, every year 10 million kids die before their fifth birthday around the world, nearly all of them from preventable causes. Got one final blessing. In America, people are free to worship God. And I've asked the challenge this way. But do they? Are Americans passionate about obeying God? There are, of course, many, many more such comparisons to be made. I, I mentioned the current debate over the definition of marriage and the muddling of the genders. Then there are the ongoing problems of 
abortion, euthanasia, pollution, stem cell and cloning research. I think it's clear, isn't it, that America presents both a blessing and a challenge in the world today. She is both a huge source of blessing and at the same time a, a source of incredible idolatry or self-worship. She's done great things, but she also struggles in sin, doesn't she? The scripture that kept coming to mind as I reflected on the message this morning and as I weighed these and other blessings and challenges is Luke 12, verse 48. That's where Jesus says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. And then I thought, what nation has ever been given more? What nation has ever been entrusted with more than America? The only nation I could come up with that, in my opinion, is even close is the Roman Empire of biblical times, and that wasn't all that comforting. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about Rome with you this morning, but let's pause again to do two things. One, many of you submitted pictures of family members and friends that are currently active in the armed forces fighting on behalf of America and freedom. You, in particular, know very well that to whom much is given, much is expected, as does everyone or every family that has ever served America in this way. So we'll pause in a minute and say thanks and offer up prayers of thanks by putting their pictures on the screen. Second, we'll turn our praise and worship and music toward an appeal, a plea, a prayer to Almighty God to help us, to help America be all God intended her to be, to lead us as he did so many of our fathers and mothers and their fathers and mothers before them, to lead us to where the blessings of America drown out or defeat the challenges. I tell you what, the lives given in service that you're about to see, given in service to others, is a great start. So if you'll watch in silence, please, and if you might, as God and the Holy Spirit lead you, offer up some prayers for these folks in service, for those that aren't pictured but you know of, that are in service or have served. Would you pray, please, for God's protection and blessing on them?
have the ushers come forward as we take our offering. <clears throat> I was thinking about how valuable it is to a veteran to have a letter written to, him, to them. I received a letter from a little girl named Laura Schulte. And it just said, Lieutenant Kirsten, we're praying for you. I received that in the Tonkin Gulf in Vietnam. And uh, it meant a lot. So if you guys write veterans, it's a good idea. We want to thank all the veterans that are here today. And uh, we'd like to bow in prayer. Would you bow with me? Lord, if we really think about the word freedom as Todd is clearly presenting, it's really the fabric of a relationship with you. Freedom is found nowhere else except in Christ. Thank you for driving us often to our knees, to a place of brokenness, to a place of humility, and a place of lostness, and a place of uh, despair, out of which we find freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom uh, in our soul, freedom to enjoy life, freedom to see things from your point of view, freedom to enjoy your word, freedom to live a life that would truly bless you. Lord, that's why we're here. That's the whole point of the church. This message is no, not proclaimed anywhere else outside of those that would go and risk sharing it. Lord, may we be those people now as we look at our pocketbooks, recognizing all we have is from you, we have the freedom to give back generously. May that be true of us today in Jesus' name.
like America, Rome too was dedicated to the unalienable rights of its citizens. Rome too was built around a legal system of justice and mercy, and boy, did Rome love to build things. Roads and theaters and arenas and big, impressive public buildings. Rome, too, like America, was wealthy and powerful beyond compare to any other country in her day. And Rome even became a Christian nation under Constantine. And the thought and the cry and the hearts of the people in those days must have been, Rome is invincible. God and country Rome. And yet... Rome is gone. A few years ago, I sat alone in the ruins of what used to be a magnificent Roman city. I sat alone and I looked around. Massive stones in buildings and walls. I mean, massive. Huge stone pavers on the wide and proud Roman road running nearby. And I marveled. I marveled at the might of Rome. And then I marveled even more that it was all gone. Overgrown with weeds. Huge piles of rubble, all that was left of her. All gone, destroyed, ruined, torn down by bands of barbarian terrorists with inferior weapons. I kept looking around and shaking my head. I mean, compared to the might of the Roman army, the legionnaires, are you kidding me? Those invading barbarians had nothing compared to the might of Rome. Nothing. And I tried to imagine the shock the world must have felt when the city of Rome was conquered in 410 A.D. for the first time in over 800 years. Right up until that very day, Roman coins were stamped with Invicta Roma Eterna, which means eternal, unconquerable Rome. The Bible translator Jerome was in Bethlehem the day that Rome fell. When he received the news that Rome had fallen, he put aside his commentary on Ezekiel and he sat stupefied in total silence for three days. Rome was besieged, Jerome wrote to a friend. The city to which the whole world fell has fallen. If Rome can perish, what can be safe? He wrote. And as I sat there, in what was left of eternal, unconquerable Rome, 
I began to cry. Tears filled my eyes for my own country because she is so much like Rome. Who would ever believe America could ever fall, I thought. Historians all point to one thing, one thing in particular that led to Rome's fall. In short, moral decay. Her own sin. Rome became so enamored with herself, became so deeply immoral, so addicted to wealth and pleasure that she rotted from within, much like those worms that rotted the insides of Herod Agrippa in Acts 12, if you've been attending. Rome fell over and choked on its own immorality. In Deuteronomy, God warned Israel that if they forgot him, after he gave them blessing upon blessing, Eventually, his patience would run out and he would allow them to be destroyed. And I wondered, sitting there that day, did that happen to Rome? And my tears that afternoon came more earnestly as I began to pray, Please, Father, not America. My friends, we desperately need God. America desperately needs God. She must not, she cannot forget God. He's our only hope. Have we forgotten that? Are we forgetting God? You know, we often sing the song... God bless America. I'm sure you know it. We often sing it the way Kate Smith sang it. <laughs> God bless America, standing tall with pride and with confidence and with strength. And that's okay. We should. But it seems to me we might also sing that song on our knees with deep humility and with a note of desperation. God, please. Please, God, bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. Through the night with your light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam, oh God, please. Bless America, my home, sweet home. My guess is that this has not been the most upbeat 4th of July message you've ever heard. But I hope you don't find it any less patriotic. I love my country, as I know you do too. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud and so grateful for all who have died 
so that we could enjoy the blessing it is to live in America and to be free. As God is my witness, if I were to be called to service, I would give my life for her. It's because I love America so much that I'm deeply, deeply concerned for her. So as we celebrate America's Day of Independence, let's pray, shall we, that she never forgets and always remembers that God gave her independence from tyranny. He didn't give her independence from God. Let's pray that America always remembers she is completely dependent on God. Let's pray that she remembers that freedom means loving others as ourselves. I said earlier that freedom was the capacity to exercise choice. May America exercise her freedom by choosing to love God and to love others as herself. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Precious Lord, take our hand and bring us home through the night, through the dark, through the storm to thy light. We've been to the mount and we've seen the promised land. Oh, precious Lord, precious Lord, take our hand. Precious Lord, Take our hand, bring thy children home at last, where the strife and the pain all are past. We have dreamed a great dream that thy love shall rule our land. Precious Lord, precious Lord, take our hand. Precious Lord, take our hand, take thy children unto thee with our dream of a world that is free. For that day when all flesh joins the glory thou hast planned, precious Lord, precious Lord, take our hand, take our hand.
Oh, Father, we desperately need you to take us by the hand. Please, Father, don't let America go down the road Rome did. Please, Father, give our leaders, give our people the strength and the courage to give of themselves in love of you and love of others. Don't let us go down that road of pride and forgetting you because we believe the lie that the devil would have us believe that as we look at our chair number one in America world power we're tempted to say look at what we have done oh father please keep us on our knees before you keep us in the palm of your hand Father Martin Luther King Jr. once kept a speech about freedom by crying, let freedom ring. Oh, Father, our prayer is that you would use each of us, that would you use West Bowles Community Church, that you would use the church in America, that you would work through them, Father, to bring not only freedom ringing, but also, Father, freedom in Christ ringing from sea to shining sea. Oh, Father, would you grab hold of America? Grab hold of her with revival. Grab hold of her with a new sense of passion and dedication and following God and following you, please. Father, we desperately need you to take us by the hand and oh father give us what we need to grab hold of that hand that you always have extended thank you father for the blessing that it is to live in america and father may you find us being willing to bless others may you find us when the book one day is closed on America if only at when Jesus comes again that it may be said of America that was the United States of America she was blessed to bless and she did in Jesus name father we ask this in Jesus name and all God's people said, Amen. May God bless you, and may God bless America. Have a great week, you guys. Praise God.